Hello and welcome again to Let's Talk Tottenham. Finally a happy episode, something to cheer about. After a brilliant result against Man City to put us right smack bang in this top four argument once again. And it's very rare as well to have a game where we concede 18 chances and only have three. And call it a brilliant performance, but in terms of defensive performance, it was superb. And I think a bit of a, a tactical masterclass from Mourinho, which I'll get to later on in the episode. Uh, but Steven Bergwijn, come on down. What, what a goal to introduce himself to the Tottenham fans and the Premier League. A fantastic finish. Uh, a game full of incident and, and controversy. Uh, so talk about all that. The transfer window, the striker. Missed opportunities that we, we get got. Troy Power uh, as well uh, and others. Uh, so for the moment, let's talk Tottenham. So first things first, what a fantastic win, which I've already mentioned. Uh, my voice has slowly got back to a point where I'm, I'm slightly audible. Uh, yesterday after the game, I sounded like Kathy Burke as Perry and Kevin and Perry, a really hoarse voice. Uh, but, you know, that's from all the shouting and screaming. And whoever says that the new stadium doesn't have an atmosphere, you know, I hope you were there yesterday because there was a terrific one yesterday. Uh, before we start, again, I've got the little uh, buzzing noise on this microphone. I have no idea how to get rid of it. I looked on Google. If anyone knows, give me any pointers at uh, LTalkTottenham on Twitter. And again, if, if anyone wants to ask any questions, any comments, whatever, that's the hashtag as well. Again, as well, if anyone wants to join in on an episode, uh, use that hashtag. Let me know. Uh, but for the moment, it's me going solo and... Again, what a wonderful win. Uh, I thought before the game, we could win this. City aren't the, the invincible team that they have been in the past. Uh, I still think Pep's overrated. You know, managing the only team in Germany, the best attacker, Messi, and best midfielder, Iniesta, in the world at the time. And then Man City with bucket loads of money. You know, Say what you want about Mourinho, love him or hate him. At least he's taken a challenge with Tottenham. Same with Ancelotti with Everton. Uh, I can't see Pep ever taking a challenge like that. Uh, but the, the game kind of started off how we expected. So Man City having a lot of space. I thought at the start, too much respect and space uh, shown to them because uh, Marvez was getting the ball every time the ball was out to him. But I'll explain why I think that was the case a little bit later. But I, I was slightly worried that it was going out to him there. Uh, but he never, ever beat Tanganga one-on-one. There was space for him to get the ball and control it and then get it down and run at him. But he never, ever beat when Tangan came out. He never, ever beat him one-on-one. -on -one. Whether he, I'm not sure whether he did try and take him on, but he never beat him one-on-one. -on -one. And that is solid, solid defending, that is. Fantastic defending for him. And, and apparently his contract is up in, in the summer. We need to sign him back down to another contract. He'll sign because he's young and he's a Spurs fan and he's in the team now. Same with Troy Power. There's been rumours that I've seen on Twitter which... Good rumours that he's going to sign a contract when he turns 18 in a day or so. That'll be fantastic. And then hopefully that'll mean he'll get in the team. Uh, but Sterling. No. I like Sterling when he plays for England. With Man City, he's a bit of a moaner, but then that's all of their team. And, you know, I, I would imagine that uh, non-Spurs fans can say the same thing about us. But the, the challenge on Ali 
I've no doubt, I've no doubt that it wasn't meant, it wasn't malicious or any any stretch by that, but the Aubameyang sending off, I think it was against Palace, was exactly the same pretty much. So all these pundits say, yeah, but he didn't go to ground, neither did Aubameyang and he got sent off. At least Genus did say that he thought that the yellow card for Aubameyang, which then got over overruled, was correct. But, you know, <laughs> the... VAR say that there was no intent to endanger the opponent, so that's why it wasn't a red card. When the hell is there ever any intent, unless you're Roy Keane on Alvinger Harland, when is there ever any intent to endanger the opponent? A ridiculous excuse. That means that means every broken ankle, every like broken leg and everything like that is never a red card, because there was no, never any intent to actually break his leg or endanger him. Absolutely ridiculous. Look... It was dangerous play. You see it, he could have snapped his ankle there. He was very lucky, Ali, to not you know, have to come off and then have uh, be out. So, And then, you know, it's not in Sterling's character to make that kind of challenge. It's like, yeah. It gives a crap. Look, may not be in his character, but he still stood on Ali's ankle. It, it was a sending off, I think, and he was very, very lucky to stay on. What I would say is the penalty decision, I don't think that was a yellow card. So I don't think he would have got two yellows. But, yeah, I, I just think it's a feeble excuse and, and just, it was a red card. He didn't mean to do it. I've no doubt about that at all. But it was dangerous play and, and you know, very lucky, Ali. Uh, we didn't have that too much attacking play, as you'd expect against Man City with them having most of the ball. Son had a run on the left. On the left back, so it showed he was positive, so showed he would take him on. Although I didn't think Son had the greatest game. He scored a good goal, deflected, but he didn't really do it because his passing wasn't really there. And he hasn't really been the same player since that Burnley goal and the Chelsea sending off. Uh, but hopefully that goal will spark his confidence up again. And then he'll be the player that, you know, we've had in the previous seasons when Kane's been injured, who takes the mantle. Uh, but... Edison pissing around with back passes, you know, that's how they play Man City and that's how he plays. So, but, you know, he's lucky to get away with it sometimes, but then we've said that about uh, Loris as well. Um, Aguero getting through, it, it's too easy, really. It, it was San, Sanchez, it, I like Sanchez, I really like Sanchez. He, he, he was our best defender for the first half of the season. And he seems to have really, really gone um, downhill since then. Uh, but I don't know why. I don't really know what's happened to him. But he seems to have completely lost the plot a little bit. But, but you know, the pass that put... I can't remember who it was who passed to Aguero. But the, the pass that got cut out was an awful pass. I mean, Ali made one earlier in the game as well. But that was up, up in our attacking end. So... I mean, his passing has got been awful. He, I think he needs to play up top on his own, be the hold-up man, and that way he's not then going to have to be involved in too much of the build-up play and the passing to build that play up. He can leave that to La Celso and Winks or, and, and Nombele when he's playing because his passing is shocking, absolutely shocking, Ali. But what Ali is good at is running off the ball, which he'll be able to do as a striker. He's strong. I think he's deceptively strong. He's, he's certainly tall. And he'll be able to, he, he's a player who's far, far better off the ball than he is on the ball, I think. So in terms of passing as a playmaker, that's not his position at all. 
anyway, I've deviated from the point a little bit, rambled on. Sanchez, the, the pass was awful. And he looked really nervous in the first half. There's another bit where it looked like the uh, must have been Aguero was offside and he's gone to clear it and it's just skimmed it along the floor straight to one of their attackers. But in the second half, he was superb and immense. But I, I think he reminds me of Michael Dawson when he was playing with us when he started. He needed Ledley King, Jonathan Woodgate there to show him which the line to take and, and decisions to make, which Sanchez now has out of Herald. So I think when Alderweireld retires and Vertonghen as well, Sanchez will be our main defender. That's what I think anyway. But too easy for Aguero to get through. Brilliant save by Lovis. Brilliant reactions. And if you look, Alderweireld slid right in front of Aguero. So it completely hinders Lovis's view. And he still manages to get the reactions, just get the slightest touch onto the post there. Very lucky that you can't sometimes deserve your luck. And yeah, fantastic save that. Um, we, we looked dangerous on the counter, I thought, but the final ball, certainly in the first half, just wasn't there at all. Mentioned Ali with his, his poor pass, and it was, it was a cross-field ball to Sun, I think, and it just was too soft and easy to cut out. And Sun's passing wasn't good enough, wasn't crisp enough. There were a few moments like that in the first half. I don't want to dwell too much on the negatives here because it was a fantastic performance, a fantastic game, defensively. Um, but yeah, like the, the penalty, I thought was a penalty. Uh, it's all, all here again, isn't it? I thought he had a, a really solid game. He made one mistake and this was it. And, you know, but if you look, Alavild showed him how to do it literally like 10 seconds before when De Bruyne was going was in the same position and we were just shepherds him out shepherds him out and in the end he has to pass backwards and then we regroup again and then it comes into the box and then <laughs> comes to uh, Aguero and then Aurea comes diving in now there'll be some players who said that Aguero dived there'll be some people sorry said that Aguero dived he saw it coming he moved over initiate the contact true Kane does that all the time and then we're fine with that so I said, you know, Kane did that against uh, Arsenal when we drew two all and Newcastle when we lost 1-0. And I said that was a penalty. So therefore, this Aguero one, he's done exactly the same. I wouldn't say it's a stone wall penalty because he hasn't kicked him up in the air, but it's a definite penalty. Yeah. What was frustrating about it was that you could clearly see that it needed to be reviewed by VAR because it was a bit of a hmm one. But why take three minutes, you know? It goes back to Edison, I think it did. So get VAR to tell the, the referee, tell him to hold the ball, we'll review this and then let you know. Because it's essentially a dead ball anyway when he's got it in his hands. We'd all regrouped. So absolutely stupid that they waste two minutes. But they got the right decision in the end. Uh, brilliant save by Lois. It got caught under him a little bit, which is why it spilled out. And then... I had my head in my hands again when he comes rushing out and Sterling goes over. And as good as Lois is, he's got a mistake in him. He made another one in the second half, which I'll talk about in a sec. But again, he's rushing out, rushing out, and then he doesn't need to do that. Like, and I've seen replays of this and, and pundits sort of talking about this on YouTube and Match of the Day, and I still don't know whether he caught him or not. I think that's why it wasn't a penalty, because it wasn't conclusive. But I still don't know if he touched him or not. <laughs> and 
it was just a rush of blood to the head. He, he well, should have stayed there. Like I, I don't think it was a dive by Sterling. So I, th I think there was slight contact there. He, he's moved his arm away, Lloris, but I think there's slight contact there. So I don't think we could have complained if it was a penalty. But I'm not sure they can complain that it wasn't. But what I'd say about the penalty as well is, you know, we should give them penalties every game we play them because they can't score against us. But why is Aguero not taking that penalty? As a striker, surely you get an extra, like, maybe eight, ten goals a season in the Premier League just from penalties if you're a good team. And, you know, he is a good, brilliant striker. He has been in the Premier League. But the people saying, usually City fans, that he's better than Kane, which like, calm down. Like Kane is scoring and outscoring you in a team that is, is, is worse than yours. If Kane played for Man City with De Bruyne and Silva scoring goal, uh, supplying goals, he'd have so much more than Aguero. But it's just the mentality there of, of letting someone else have it when you, you know, I mean, they're not going to win the league, are they? Let's face it, second is the best they can hope for. But it's not mathematically impossible. So you'd be thinking that they'd want to be winning as many games as they can. And he's their star striker. So let him take it. I, I just think it's a really weird mentality. I, I can't understand. I would never imagine when Kane's playing, we get a penalty and he goes, here you go, son, have the penalty. Here you go, Ali, have the penalty. He's, he's taking the penalty. And, and But yet Aguero has gone, OK, good one. Here, here you go. Have the penalty. It was a poor penalty as well, it has to be said, but he guessed the right way and it was a good save. I just think, yeah, I just don't understand why a striker doesn't want to take a penalty. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> what was funny about that was Mourinho's reaction. Like, yeah, a lot of people hate him and, and a lot of Spurs fans were a bit, hmm, because they love Pochettino, I love Pochettino, and they were a bit, hmm, about Mourinho coming. But his reaction there, sitting down laughing, because it's been saved. Sterling goes over, and then the 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 assistant, who's thirty years old apparently, but like is well ahead of his time in terms of tactical knowledge and everything like that, saying he should have been booked. And then Mourinho spinning up, he got up quicker out of, out of that chair than Usain Bolt does out of the blocks in the hundred meter final, and then storming straight up to him. It was very funny, but that is shit houseery at its absolute finest. That really is. Absolute finest, and he's done it before with teams, and then we we didn't like it. Now we're laughing, so <laughs> well I am anyway. So it's possibly a bit hypocritical for me there, but it was funny. And then right at the end of the half, Aguero another chance, and he snatched at it and hit it quite wide. De Bruyne had a chance as well. We blasted it massive, about three yards wide. Very strange. But what I would say about this game. Is that I'd never said it at the time, but when it was going on, it was only after it finished. But yeah, they had 18 chances, Man City. But apart from the, the, the one that hit the post, which was from our own making, and the penalty, again, from our own making, I didn't think they were going to score. They didn't look like they were going to score. They, they had 18 chances, but not many of them were clear-cut chances. Which, you know, saying they squandered their chances, uh, they had the one where... Um, Lovitz made a howl in the second half, which I'll get to in the second half here. But other than that, maybe four or five chances, clear-cut chances, which for a team who have 18 shots, and I'm, I'm not sure that they were going to... Yeah, they didn't look like they were going to score to me. And, yeah, 
which which so people saying that they completely outplayed us and all sorts in terms of chances created yes in terms of clear-cut chances and looking like scoring I'd say no so that was the first half and that's the first half here we'll take a break in a second what I will say in that first half as well that the, the crowd were pretty good all through but as soon as that penalty happened and out of field as well urging the crowd up putting his arms up brilliant from him and, and ever since that moment that, that it was an electric atmosphere obviously two goals helped and everything like that but it was, a be it was the best atmosphere I've had at this stadium by an absolute mile uh, and yeah, so call that half time, take a break, talk about the second half, and back in a bit. And we're back. So that was the first half, and a, and a roller coaster of a first half, really, certainly that last five minutes. Uh, but then the second half started with uh, Man City again on the front foot, like you'd expect. Uh, through ball to Sterling, who I thought the positioning of Tanganja was fantastic. And he's ushered him just out of the way. And then it's again another rush of blood to the head by Loris. Although, looking at it again on match of the day, you can argue that he maybe thought that it was going to go full, uh, uh, closer to him than it did. Uh, and the, the touch from Tanganja then took Loris's momentum into him. But for me, I don't think he should have been going out. Tanganja had it under control. And then he gets to clear it like however he wants. But him rushing out and knocking into him, knocking him off balance, I don't understand why. And it, again, it's it's as well as he played, it again, highlights for me that he makes too many mistakes and we need a new goalkeeper. He played fantastic in this, saving the penalty, saving the one off, off on the post. So maybe I'm being a little bit harsh. But we're a team who want to be winning stuff and getting top four, Champions League, winning Champions Leagues, leagues and everything. You can't really be having passengers, I'm afraid. And again, as well as Aurier played in this game, he could very easily have lost us that game by his one bad decision of the game. So I think right back and um, goalkeeper need to be addressed. Uh, shame to say, but I, I think... I mean, how, how they missed that chance as well with Gundogan, like, I mean, that, that would have cleared the, the rugby posts. So I don't know how we missed that, but it was a great play by Adderfield. He didn't commit. He, he just said, OK, you've got to beat me. Uh, but yeah, how, how he missed that and why it even came about anyway. But again, that was another clear-cut chance, like the Aguero one off the post, all from our own making. So it, it wasn't Man City creating all of that stuff because it was a pretty poor pass into Sterling, really. So yeah, it, like I said it, it, the, yeah, previously, I, I don't didn't think they had that many chances which you can say were clear-cut, certainly that they created themselves. Uh, but then the game completely changed with... Sending up now, people have a go at Ericsson for his bad corners, which are bad, but my god, even he'd have been disgusted with this one. It was a they were trying to play it to the guy outside the box, which is fine, a nice idea, but like it was a terrible pass, so slow. Credit to Winks for anticipating it, but like, even yeah, 
a child could have anticipated that. It was so slow. And then brilliant play by Winks, engaging someone forward. I thought at the time, as soon as he got the ball, where he's being fouled here, there's no way he's going through on goal. And I didn't realise that Zinchenko had been booked, but he was booked in the kerfuffle uh, after the penalty, the, the Sterling penalty appeal. Jared Vield was booked for as well. I didn't realise he was booked. I thought it was the Bruyne at the start, but then that didn't make any sense either, did it, really? Because he, it was a corner, so he'd have been up top, but... It was an absolutely stupid decision. I mean, there's one taking one for the team and not when you're on a yellow card. And then the game completely changed in terms of a lot more space. And City had most of the ball and, and more chances. Fine. But, you know, they had less space for them to be able to uh, exploit. And we had more space to exploit, which is how Sun's goal came about. But absolutely brilliant play by Winks, who Bergwijn... Well, Got, got man of the match, which obviously scored the goal, and that was the one that ended up winning, you know, 1-0. But for me, Winks should have got man of the match because he was absolutely everywhere and, and absolute bottle, desire. He was everywhere. He should have got man of the match on his birthday as well. But it doesn't matter. We won, but it was a definite red. And how Man City can complain about that, saying he sh it was his shoulder someone pointed to. It's like, yeah, his shoulder fouled him. Like, I, I don't understand what the point of that was. But how they can complain, but that, you know, they were almost invincible. They were the best team, like they got the record, 100 points, and then, you know, and, and they're all happy and smiley when it goes well. And when it doesn't, they don't want to know. They're all moody and moany and everything like that. What, what will happen at Liverpool next year when they don't win the league by uh, December? Um, but yeah, that comes from the manager, and he's a whiny old git anyway. Like, Interviews like when they win, he wants to have a chat and talk war and peace and read novels to the, the interviewers. And when they don't, it's one word answers and all very short and just sort of overrated, I think. Like I've said, uh, but yeah, the, the three minutes afterwards, we then get a corner, and I thought, oh no, a short bloody corner. It gets played to Winks, good ball in the box, defended adequately, like in terms of got rid of, but no one then goes out to Mora, who had a really quiet game. But he did have something to say in it because he gives it to Bergwijn and brilliant chess finish and then a wonderful volley. And he was running away, if you look, before it even went in the net, he knew. And what a debut to have. What an away, a way to announce yourself. Brilliant controlled volley. A lot of people would have blasted that and it would have gone and hit someone in the crowd. Superb. And then with the 10 men, Undombele came on. Brilliant to see him back. And, and it didn't take him long at all to have an influence in the game. His ability to just dribble past people when the ball is pretty much a dead ball is unbelievable. I'll say, I think he's better than Dembele at that. But his fitness is the issue and he seems to be made of glass. But it was hit him like playing it with uh, Celso, who had a quiet game, but I've got a theory about why that is, which I'll get to in a bit. When I talk about the Mourinho masterclass. Uh, he 1-2 he, between them two, goes to Ndombele, uh, jiggle, jingles past uh, one of their defenders, I'm not sure who it was, uh, and then plays it into Sun, who's in acres of space, and that's because of the sending off, because of the sending off one of their defenders, so they're leaving space, and then a good finish, it was going on target, but it did take a little deflection, which beat uh, Edison, but fantastic, gives us a cushion, absolutely rocking the new stadium there. Uh, but then, you know, 
We either then sat back a little bit, which I think is understandable, and that's how Mourinho plays, and then play on the counter-attack. Like, Undombele dribble past a couple of people, absolutely filthy skill, like they're not even there towards the end. And then he passes off to whoever was on the right at the time, I think it was Mora. Um, and I don't know why, he, he did all the hard work, and he was perfectly within his rights there, tune it up, he's done all the hard work, have a shot yourself. I don't think anyone could have complained if he'd ever done that and wherever it had gone. If it had gone and hit Rose Z, then maybe people would have moaned and maybe he should have passed. But it's perfectly within his rights so to have a shot there, I thought. Uh, but there was a lot more fight from our players. I, I went to the Chelsea game and that was the worst game I think I've ever been to in my life. There was no fight there at all. There was fight in the Liverpool game. Um, you know, certainly in the second half when we really had a go. But in this game, in terms of defensive and discipline and desire and fight, there was so much more of it than there has been for most of this season. And it looked like... I mean, it could be a coincidence. It could be a coincidence. But the two players who didn't want to be there and I think had a negative influence in the dressing, whether they meant to or not, Rose and Eriksson leave. And the next game, we show more fight than we've shown all season. So uh, I, I, I don't think that's a coincidence. I think the fact that they, they are not, not in the team, in the dressing room, being negative because they want to leave, I think has had a positive effect. Got a new signing coming in who, who turned down apparently £6 million bonus from PSV to stay to come and play for us. So this guy is full of like desire himself to play for us first and foremost. So that can only be a positive influence in the dressing room as well when you've got someone that enthusiastic just coming into your team. It'll be infectious. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I thought Winks should have got man of the match. Uh, so I, I thought he was everywhere. Uh, but on to the Mourinho masterclass now. So I said at the start, I thought I was slightly worried at the start that Marvez was getting the ball out wide and whoever was on the other side, on the left side, was getting the ball as well. I said I was worried about that, but I think that was the plan. Because I think it was show out wide that there's space out there for them to pass to, to Marvez and whoever was on the other side, Sterling, who, who incidentally as well never got past Orvier either. So I, I, I praise Tanganja for uh, Marvez never getting past him, but you know Sterling never got past Orvier either. But I think the plan was to let them have the ball and let that always be the out ball because then Kevin De Bruyne doesn't have it. And Kevin De Bruyne is by far and away, I think, the best player in the league by a mile. And he had no influence on this game whatsoever. So someone told me walking back from the stadium, which I didn't realise, and I've watched matches today and didn't couldn't see it either, but he there's not guaranteeing that he's wrong. But so he could be perfectly right. That De Bruyne was almost playing as a striker up with Aguero. Which you're happy with that, you know, unless the ball falls to him and he can blast it in. But like in terms of build up play, you can't really build that much play up. You know, build-up play happens in midfield, not as a striker. But that would make sense because he wasn't getting the ball that much in the middle. So, you know, go up top, try and make an effort there. But I think it was uh, Mourinho letting them have it out wide and hope that the ball in the box wasn't good enough and then our defenders would get rid of it, which certainly second half. Out of field was brilliant all game. Sanchez, first half, looked quite nervous, certainly for the first half of the first half. Second half, absolutely superb. Got his little bit of luck at the end when he's headed it onto the post, onto the bar, sorry. We got a little bit of luck with, you know, 
Lobby's tipping over from uh, De Bruyne's cross shot. That was a cross. He's just overcooked that and almost got lucky with it. But I think we deserve that luck for our fighting endeavour that we had and, and the desire. And you see people like Winks throwing his arm in the air. When the sending off happened, you see Winks's reaction. It was just slightly to the left of the camera. He was slightly to the left of where the camera was, so you couldn't really see him. But he's fist pumping. He bleeds Tottenham. So all these people who say that he's he's not good enough, we need to get rid of him. I'm sorry, I, I have to disagree there where you don't know what you're talking about with that, with that in that respect. But yeah, I think it was the, the plan for those to have it out wide so De Bruyne didn't have it. And then Winks and Lacelso, who had a quiet game, and here's why I think he was with Winks in the middle and I think they were having to be more defensive and sit in to stop De Bruyne getting space. You know, if Lacelso goes forward, you're only there with Winks. If if De Bruyne goes past him, he's got the whole defence there with other people around him, so there's a lot of space. I think those two, with the insurance, just stay back. It it, it, it makes the midfield busy, so he's not got as much space to go into. You know, can't go through the middle. The only time they went through the middle really was that Sterling one where Loris came rushing out, and the Aguero one where Sanchez gave it away. But in terms of their actual play. They never went through the middle because I don't think they were allowed to. We were very narrow, so allowing the wide players to have it. And as soon as the Mahrez, Sterling got it, Orvier and Tanganga were out there. Um, and I think Winks and themselves. So I think if you watch the game back again, I don't think they went forward that much at all. Winks certainly. I don't think. I think the reason that Lacelso wasn't really in the game, certainly in an attacking sense, because he wasn't attacking. He was. He was. Deep, very deep, along with Winks, and they created a good defensive midfield unit, unit there and partnership. And I think they did brilliantly. And I think that was the plan, from what I saw anyway with Mourinho, that that was a tactical plan. Crowd out the midfield, certainly centrally, to stop De Bruyne being able to thread his through balls through and everything like that. Stick it out wide, then get one person to engage, force them to have to cross the ball. And then hope that your defenders kick it out, get it out, and get the second ball. And my my friend who's a United fan, who, who who quite likes Mourinho still, I think, told me in the Liverpool game before the Liverpool game, Mourinho would have a plan, and he did, which almost worked. We should have got something out of that game. But this one, he definitely had a plan. I think that was the plan. Like I said, and and it, yeah, we rode our luck, but it worked a treat in a sense that. Like I've said, I don't think they created that much. And I think Man City generally look for De Bruyne to create things in the middle, through the middle, rarely out wide. You don't really see them scoring that many goals where it's crossed from out wide and someone heads it in. They'll score the occasional ones, of course, but not generally. And I think that was his plan and it worked brilliantly. And his plan or his assistant's plan or both of their plans. But then the players... Stuck to that plan magnificently. Winks, like I said. Now, people have a go at him because he passes back and everything like that, which he does. And I said that. I can't remember which game. I think it was a Norwich game. But I think that's the position he's playing. He's been asked to play defensively, not go forward too much, and, and basically keep his shape and keep his position. So, therefore, he's not, he hasn't been used to it. And then he passes back because uh, he's playing defensive. But this one, he was play, playing. he was playing in a defensive position, but he was playing forward. And he was so much more effective. But smelling danger, there were so many interceptions he made, anticipating danger and then got there first. 
Uh, so in a defensive midfield role, it, that was his best game that he's played in that position that I can remember. And fantastic performance. And so if he can keep playing like that, and he's so much more mobile than Dyer, maybe not as strong as Dyer, but so much more mobile. So if he can play like that, that could be uh, something good for England, for the World Cup, where Vice looks nothing like the player he was when he first got in and he's in a struggling team. And Jordan Henderson would it picks himself, so, but he needs someone with him. And I think Winks could be that person. And certainly based off this performance, he's done himself no harm there. And, you know, he could have solved a, a, a bit of a problem for Mourinho there if he can stay fit. But the problem is, if, if you then have Ndombele in there, he will go forward because he's capable of going forward. But if he loses the ball or we lose the ball, I'm not sure he's got the engine to storm back like a, a Sissoko has. But with, with Lo Celso there, he rarely went forward. So he didn't need the massive engine to bomb up and down because his position was, wasn't was forward enough. And then it was left to the uh, the other four, Ali, Sun, Bergwijn and Morva to do their stuff up top, which they did an okay job, uh, but we got the two goals. So I think, as much as I love Pochettino, I think tactically he, he's nowhere near Mourinho level. And I think that, that showed it in this game that, that it, yeah. I mean, yeah, we let them have it out wide, but we played so many games against Liverpool under Pochettino where we let them have it out wide. And you've got Alexander-Arnold and, and Robertson veining crosses in. That's their danger. You don't let them do that. You let them play through the middle. As the lesser of two evils. But here, I think he, he spotted that they play through the middle. That's where they're dangerous. They're not as dangerous on the wings. Let them have it there. And that's why I think as well, as maybe a controversial comment here, which I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility. We need some luck, obviously, that we could win the Champions League. We've got a manager who knows how to win it, good tactically. You know, pretty much the same team without, with the exception now of, of Bergwijn, Ndombele and Lo Celso. There's exactly the same team we got to the final last year. You need a little, little bit of luck like we had last year and draw luck. But I don't see why we can't win it. The FA Cup, certainly. Southampton tomorrow at home, which I'd, I'd back us to win. At home, I'd back us to beat anybody. And then Norwich at home in the quarterfinal. And then you're in a semi-final. So I'd expect us to win both of those games and put a real strong team out to try and win that. Because, you know, I think we can win the Champions League. The FA Cup is the most likely chance of winning a cup or a trophy. Uh, but the top four is back on now. Beat Villa in, in two weeks after the, the Christmas break. Or international break, whatever the hell it is. Not Christmas break, we're in February, for God's sake. Uh, international break. Beat them, then it's the big one, Chelsea away, win that, you slap bang in that top four race and then it's yours to take. Uh, but yeah, so much, it's amazing what a good win can do, like with so, so much doom and gloom, it's now everyone on the timeline is happy and delighted, it's amazing what a win can do and now, and before it was, oh we can't get top four, there's no way, we're not good enough and now there's a lot of belief that we can and Hopefully this is the game that kickstarts our season and really gives us the, the confidence back. They look confident. They look like they're enjoying themselves again. 
And like I said, I don't think that's a coincidence where the two potential bad, proper bad eggs of the dressing room have now gone. So that's about it for this episode. Uh, unless something happens magically in, in that Southampton game in two days time, or, or it's an absolute barnstorm of a game and a lot of talking points, won't do one about that. That'll be the Villa game in two weeks, uh, 16th I think it is, uh, that I'll do an episode after that. Um, but yeah, after such a wonderful win, it's just good to feel good about football again and actually have a Monday that doesn't suck for once. Um, but yeah, so hopefully now we can we can go on a run. Like we had a real good win. Looks like the the confidence and the joy of playing for Spurs again is back. Uh, we've got bad eggs out. We've got a player in who wants to be here. We had a really good win, really good solid defensively and a clean sheet to boot. So now you know, just beat Southampton, get a run in that cup, then go beat Villa, Leipzig as well. So like I said about the Champions League. Get a win there and then the big game against Chelsea. So go on a run. If you can get a run of all of those games, imagine the confidence then, then you never know. You never know. Um, but yeah, until then, come on, you Spurs, keep going and, you know, win the Champions League and win the FA Cup. You know, let's be greedy. Let's be greedy. We haven't had a trophy for God knows how long. Let's be greedy and go for two. Not one. Not one. Uh, but yeah, come on, you Spurs. Let's go on a run now. And, and change our season around and get back to where we want to be.